And they said, well, why do you want to name it Hope for Prisons? This is what I said to them, was that the number one reason why I'm naming it Hope for Prisons is God told me to, period, right? 100%, right? Got it. And I said, the other reason why I'm naming it Hope for Prisons is because the mission of our organization is to help to create a massive amount of people who come home from the prison system and not only do they never reoffend again, that they begin to live levels of life that most people only dream of. When we do that, then they become the hope for, for the Christians. That's a beautiful thing, brother. Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our football team. It's called Undefeated. I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox. Rather, an army of normal folks, us, you and me, just deciding, hey, I can help. That's what John Ponder, the voice we just heard, has done. A former prisoner himself, John led a life of crime for 26 years until finally he found his own hope, oddly, inside a federal penitentiary. It's an incredible story that we're about to share with you. Hope for Prisoners, his nonprofit, helps returning citizens in Las Vegas, those coming home from prison just like he once did, to flourish and not just become one more member of a dreaded statistic. 67%, two-thirds of former prisoners end up back in prison within three years. At Hope for Prisoners, the recidivism rate is only 8%. That means they're over eight times better than the status quo. Just wait till you hear the secret sauce behind what John does. And John doesn't want it to be a secret anymore. He wants to share it with you. So let's get started. But first, a brief message from our generous sponsors. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines. They were looking for an unknown actress <laughs> to play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? <laughs> and author David Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you. If you're not on fire, it's like opening the door of an oven and it's like, Wow, you know, you take a step back, it's all they think about, it's all they talk about, it's all they care about. They don't have relationships, they're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're Where all their energy focused goes. on. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic, I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Ponder, an interesting dude. How are you today, man? Man, man I am doing terrific. Thank you so much for asking. Man, it is it is so good to be in your offices in Las Vegas, and I can't wait to tell the listeners what I just listened a little later. That is some inspirational, redemptive stuff I saw, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, this is an army of normal folks. I don't go around the country interviewing bigwig politicians and the smart people that know everything, then I, I like to I like to talk to normal folks that, mm. that do extraordinary things like yourself. And so first, you know, John, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Tell me tell me about tell me about John the young man. Okay. Well, I grew up in the streets of New York. Brooklyn and Long Island spent a lot of time out in Long Island. Boy, you can hear it when you say Brooklyn in yeah, that accent. Yeah, man, keep that's me going, still there. I get excited. It's coming out even more. That's right. <laughs> Got it. But single parent home. Dad left home at a very early age. You leave your mom raising five knucklehead boys and one knucklehead girl all by herself. Mm. You know, and I think that growing up in that environment, my story is not much different than any, uh, you know, many in the other urban communities, right? Without yeah. the dad, growing up in that type of environment, you know, that led me to the streets to kind of validate masculinity, right? I get it, man. So the streets led me to the drugs, drugs led me to the gangs, gangs led me to the criminal activity, and that criminal activity led me to my very first set of handcuffs at the tender age of 12 years old. 12? You got locked up? 12 years old. Did you get yeah. locked up or arrested as oh, a juvenile? Oh, it was, it was arrested. Arrested as a juvenile, but it kind of, you know, started from there. No, it was um, it was it was popping the cork off the top. Right, ab- absolutely, and because my older brothers were already getting in trouble, I'm the second to the baby. But I watched my older brothers in the streets as well and getting in trouble and so forth and so on. So at 12 years old, that you know, just that arrest, it had become the norm, right? It was like the expectations of. So, my dad left when I was four. And um, I'm 54 now, John, and I spent until I was about 47 or 8 
trying to figure out why my father didn't value me. Mm. And I spent a lot of time working to prove my worth to myself. Mm. Because you you get this weird thing when your father leaves, especially as a young strapping man, that, hey, I got to prove that I'm valuable enough so the next person doesn't leave me. And and I, I felt that way when 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 you came up, you had big brothers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So did did you follow in their footsteps because they filled a little bit of masculinity void or or were you trying to prove yourself to the streets? I mean, give me right. a feel for what that really was. Yeah, so I think you're, you're right. I was following in their footsteps, but they were going down the wrong path. Right. right? So not getting any, any satisfaction out there. I like to tell people that I began to live my life growing up somebody that I was not. Right. Mm-hmm. In other words, I grew up and I was wearing a mask. I had become to everybody in the world around me who it was I thought they wanted to see. I know that. And it wasn't even me, right? I Grew, get that. Growing up wearing a mask, right? And I'm going into relationship to relationship to relationship, you know, wearing different masks. I call it like the falsehoods of masculinity. I get it. Insecurity yeah. is what it is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 100%. I, I felt, well, I mean, you look at me, you're good looking. I'm fat and redheaded. <laughs> so. You know, I already have built-in insecurity, right? <laughs> and then you cack it on. I, I, I feel that. I've, I've read, though, that when your mom had, had it with the six-knucklehead family, that she would uh, ship you kids off to some grandparents. Tell me about tell me about that experience. Yeah, so so I had a uh, my, my mom would ship us down to Mississippi. Well, hold it. When I read that, I started right. giggling. Yeah, because a young man <laughs> from Brooklyn, <laughs> from New York, from the mean streets, right? Where in Mississippi? First yeah, of all, it was it was in Quitman, DeSoto, Mississippi. That first of all, that just had to be culture shock in and of itself, bro. Yeah, but it, and it was, and it was, it was fun because the city kids are, are getting down into the farmlands of Mississippi. Yeah, but, I get it. But the thing about going down the Mississippi, you know, I had a grandmother. Her name was Medea. It was the original Medea. It's not the Tyler. <laughs> it, this was Medea, Medea, right? Medea, Medea. And we get down to Mississippi, and boy, I tell you, Medea loved Jesus. Yeah. And Medea would take those city kids, and and we go to Sears and Roebuck's in Meridian, Mississippi. And she would buy all these like Sunday school clothes and she would get us in St. John's Church and she's got us in front of that dusty black piano and she's teaching us all these hymns and, you know, songs like, yes, Jesus loves me. What what denomination was St. John's? St. John's was a a Lutheran church. A Lutheran church in in Meridian? No, that was actually in DeSoto, Mississippi. New York kid getting in trouble. Getting down to Mississippi with Medea, the grandmother, yes, and going to to a Saint Lutheran John's. church with some some church clothes bought at the Sears and Roebuck. Absolutely. And do you think do you think where you are today, which we will get to where you are today, yep. but do you think that that little bitty seed that wasn't getting a whole lot of water mm. or fertilizer? Do you think it mattered today? You know, absolutely, 100%. I love to hear people's stories when they say that they had a praying grandmother, right? But my Medea took it a lot further than that. When Medea had us in front of those that dusty black piano, and she's got us singing those hymns, and she's teaching us songs like, Yes, Jesus Loves Me, and Amazing Grace, right? right. Medea was sowing seeds in us that took 40-some-odd years later to come to a harvest. She's in heaven now looking down on your on yeah. her legacy. Yeah. Very proud, John. Yes. I yes, mean, yes, that's yes. real, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. So 
Let's talk about that a little bit as well. Um, I'm just doing the math. What what year would that have been? Probably what years? The seventies right. or the? Oh, absolutely. I would say we started going. I mean, as far as back and I can remember, I'm, I'm 56. I was born sure. in 1966, so right. I remember you know 1974, 75. And how uh, old was she then? Uh, Medea was. Oh my goodness, she was. Well, she passed away, and I can't even do the math. She passed away in 1978, uh, and she was 72 years old. So some mathematician. So born in 1906. Right. Yes. So yeah. she was probably the daughter of sharecroppers. Oh, absolutely she was. And absolutely. the granddaughter of slaves. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Did you feel that? Uh, no, Medea uh, did an incredible job, and so did my mom, right, in, in protecting us and shielding us from those things. That's amazing. Not that they were hiding, like, the, the obvious racism, but when we were around Medea, around my mother— but we could never refer to someone else. We couldn't refer to a, a white person as a white boy or white girl. That boy or girl is a boy or girl. That was it. That, that was it, period, in the report. And I think that what was really fascinating about that is because they grew up in Mississippi, right, in the Deep South during those times That's where— That's what I'm asking. Uh, absolutely, That's why I'm asking uh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I think that they did a, a great job in doing that. That's something that I pass on to my kids to this uh, day. Honestly, I fear that in our society, that's uncommon. Very much so. And I think that it, it becomes, it's become, people become desensitized to that. Couldn't agree more. Right. So John's scampering around at 12 years old with some handcuffs on, <laughs> falling after big brothers and the society that he sees and lives in. He has listened to Medea plant a seed, but that's not his reality because he lives in New York. Right. And he's in the streets. And he goes to jail. And there was a time you, you committed a lot of little crimes here and there, but then there was a big one. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the big one. Oh, it was, it was several big ones. Um, and and uh, if you're referring to my last a uh, little prison uh, stint. You know, I had committed a string of bank robberies, right? How old, how old were you, John? I was 30, 36 years old. 36? Yeah, committed a string hold of— it. I, maybe I've missed something from right. 12 to 36. I'm doing a poor right. job of stringing this together for okay. our listeners. Well, let's back up. Tell me what you did at 25. Right, right, right. <laughs> so the 25s were, you know, little tiny things. But after my arrest at 12 years old, yeah. when I was 16 years old okay. was when I caught my very first felony conviction— at 16, it was for an armed robbery, right? So, so strong arm. Uh, you know, it was it was with a weapon. Um, oh, good, but good. I I robbed some drug dealers, right? 16 years old, growing up in New York, and I you, you know, you I know got some of our listeners say, well, they probably deserve that. Yeah, well, no, I don't think no, that. they don't. Yeah, I know you don't. If you would ask me that question, you know, to, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I might have said, yeah, they yeah. deserve, but no, yeah. they didn't no, deserve they that. Didn't. That was me, you know. But so it was at 16 years old when I caught my very first felony conviction. I did not learn my lesson from there, and then things just got sought, gotten getting progressively worse. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines. They were looking for an unknown actress. (laughs) 
to play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? (laughs) And author David Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven and it's like, wow, you know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're they're focused on. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless. From the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic, I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's return to John's early life of crime. Getting arrested for, you know, menial things, everything from just burglaries and things of that nature. And I tell people I used to get arrested for burglaries and I have this thing because I earned my stripes and I'm going to prison. But I mean, I'm, I'm locked up for burglary. And I used to say that, that they're not going to hold me for this. And, you know, I, I used to have this saying that I'm greasy from the shoulders. Right. right. I'm going to go to court and they're going to give me an OR and, and I'm going to take the first What's deal that's OR? coming. Uh, it's released on your own recognizance. Right. right? right. Or you're going to pay the bill or or better yet, the public defender is going to come at you with some deal. And I don't even care what the deal is. If take I plead it. guilty to it, does this mean I go home today? <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and do it. I get to go home and play on my next crime? Exactly. Right. So my, you know, and I take those and it was a bunch of those that had gotten stacked up. And then 1998 or somewhere, I had gotten arrested for another felony and it was for uh, assault with a deadly weapon. Was that also on another street person? Uh, Drug dealer? Yes, that was another street person. But then immediately in the interim of that, I had a a court of domestic violence. Right. And the domestic violence in that 100 percent my fault. You know, I had become addicted to everything known to man. I'm completely out of my mind. I'm acting irrational. And uh, that domestic violence was actually with my brother, right? 
did we lived in the same house and because we lived in the same house it was it was under it was considered domestic violence i have a question yes sir i i i coached football in the inner city for a large part of my life and i remember the first time i ever heard one of my players say that their brother had caught a charge and it really 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 shocked me and right. i am a fanatics person and I thought, that's ridiculous. You catch a cold, you earn a charge. <laughs> and whenever I hear someone say I caught a charge, it's right. almost like yes. I yeah. got charged. I just caught it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was walking around and yeah. I caught a cold. Right, I was walking right, around right. and I caught a charge. It's, yeah. I know that that's. Oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to use that. <laughs> well, it's true. Right. You don't catch right. the charge. Right, right. You go do something to get one. Yes. But so you kept you kept catching charges and kept getting second chances. I kept earning the charges. Yeah, thank you very much, John. <laughs> <laughs> we have fixed that on this show. <laughs> you kept earning the charges and you kept getting second chances. Right. But but your your the world you were lived in you lived in that was the second chance was just a second chance to go do something and not get caught. Right. Right. So. You robbed some banks at 34 36, 37, or something like that. Just yeah. completely. So you, you out actually of my robbed mind. some banks. Yeah. You guys got together and said, let's go rob some you know, banks. No, I was, I was, I did it solo. Did you really? I was a solo guy. Yeah. Right. And How again, it work out not, for you. Not, well, it, it, I went to federal prison. Tell me. How it worked <laughs> <out>. <laughs> right. So you get caught. Yes. And what are you facing in terms of time? Well, because I'm in the federal system, right? I was facing the possibility of spending 23 years in prison. At 36. Yes. So you're 60. Absolutely. So your life. Yep. It your life's like, over. It's it's over. It's, it's 100% over. Because how the federal system works is they take a look at your criminal history. Which was terrible. And they can go back to that 16, yada, yada, they yada. They can go back to juvenile even? Uh, they can go back. It's a it's a time frame. I see. Right? So if, and I forget what it was like. They can go back 25 years and whatever Brief. that, right? And then based on that criminal history, they give you points. And it was, um, you know, it could have it could have had a hell of a resume. Uh, absolutely. Right. Yes. So I like the way you put that. So you're looking at 20 years. <laughs> Possibility spending, you know, 20, I think it worked out to like 23 years in prison. And what happened? You know, I, um, I'm, I'm mad and I'm angry. Were, weren't you mad and angry anyway? Oh, no, but even more now. But let me tell you the reason why, because the realism reality is setting in right now. But are you mad and angry at the people that caught you? Are you mad and angry at circumstances? Or are you mad and angry at yourself? Man, I'm mad and angry with all of the, the of the above. Yeah. I'm hating myself, right? Because I find myself once again in a detention center about to go before a judge where I'm doing this same, same thing all over again, where he's going to determine how I'm going to spend the next, you know, 20 some odd years of my life. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry that I didn't learn my lesson. Yeah. I'm angry at the people in the world around me who, you know, the, the, the drugs and all these different things, you name it, I'm, I'm angry. So even after all of it, you really do have some self-realization still. Absolutely, 100%. Which means the people that you're helping, mm -hmm. they do too. Yes. Even the worst of the worst, right. except for some that are just mentally sick. Yep. All right, yep. but... Even even some of the worst of the worst offenders that have a rap sheet a mile long, 
when it's them and then in a mirror, yep. they know what they're looking at. Oh, absolutely. And you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you're staring 20 years in prison. How, yeah. how, how, how you, you're not 60 and you're not in prison. Right, so what happened, right. brother? So, oh my goodness. I, uh, and again, being angry, I was fighting people and fighting offices and, and Were I, you literally fighting. Oh, literally fighting like everybody, in jail, in, let's just everybody fight. in the world around me let's fighting, roll. right? Because of that anger and because of those institutional behaviors, they put me in solitary confinement and, uh, I found myself in solitary confinement. I'm angry. I'm on a food strike and I'm not eating. Let's talk about solitary confinement <laughs> sure. for the people. Right. People hear that and yep. it's overused in in movies and yep. it, it's become we've become desensitized to it. But right. solitary confinement, some people may have earned or deserve that. But mm -hmm. what that is, and my understanding is, an eight by eight concrete block cell, 23 hours with one hour of exercise. Yes. A day. Yes. So yeah. literally, you're caged. Absolutely. And there's no socialization with any other human being. Well, unless you're screaming down the hallway uh, at the, you know, the inmates next door, right? Which is, which is hardly comforting. Right. Yeah. So, you are staring at walls for 23 hours mm -hmm. with no socialization. Yep. Staring at, I'm going to be here till I'm 60. Yep. Do you ever get suicidal? Uh, of course I did. I think that when you're facing the unknown, and those are some of the thoughts that are in the back of your mind. I think I, know, I remember the thing that was killing me the most is that my son is now growing up without his dad, just like I grew up without mine. Yeah. And I just, it, it just, it just, it was killing me. So, once again, you're facing it. What happened? Yeah. How in the world are you here? What happened? Man, I got to tell you the story about how I'm in solitary confinement, 23-hour lockdown, one hour. I'll never forget the day that a chaplain, one of the prison chaplains, had come by the prison cell, and he was speaking me through the, the door, having a conversation and trying to... Through like a food yeah, slot? Yeah, it's just a little food slot in there. And he's bent down. He's, hey, brother, how you doing? So he's actually and, trying to get eye contact with you. Yes. Yeah. And, and he was having this conversation. And I don't remember exactly what it was he was saying, but I wasn't trying to hear it. I'm mad now. You ain't having it. Yeah. So I, you know, I cursed the guy out and called him every name except for the name that his, his mom gave him, told him to get away from the door. And he, uh, before he left the door, he... He, he dropped the Bible through the, the little food flap. and like as he, a Gideon Bible uh, or something? Yeah, it was just, a, I forget what it was, but it was a Bible. It was a Bible. Right, and he dropped it through in the, the food flap, and he said to me, hey, brother, Jesus loves you, and 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 closed the food flap, and then he, he left the door, and I left the Bible on the floor and just left it alone. I'm still angry, and I don't know, it had to be like a week or so later, same chaplain comes by, he opens up the food flap, having a conversation, I cursed him out, and before he left, he said, Jesus loves you, and he drops this daily devotional through the food flap. It was a daily devotional by Kenneth Copeland, mm. and it was called The Pursuit of His Presence. And I left it on the floor, did not read it, whatever the case may be. And then, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, out of 100% complete boredom, just bored, nothing else to do, solitary confinement, I picked up that daily devotional. And I turned to whatever page I thought that it was. I don't even know what day it is. And I opened it up and I, I, up to the date, and I started reading the story on there. And as I'm reading the story, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is right. It was something leaped on the inside of me. And then right in the top right-hand corner, there was a passage of scripture. 
And, and I immediately picked the Bible up and I started opening up to that passage of scripture to where I'm reading it as I'm reading it. Oh my God, something has happened. I got this flashback of 40 some odd years to ago. To Medea. To Medea in Mississippi, sowing seeds that it took almost 40 years later to see the harvest of what Medea was sowing. And then when that happened, when the two weeks leading up there, when you're kind of <laughs> stepping over the Bible, yeah. and you're cussing the dude out, yeah, you're. Did you ever once just flashpoint for a millisecond to Medea? No, she was gone. Oh yeah, just it, it was it was gone. It was it was buried. But right? when you open the devotional and then open to the scripture in the devotional, right, it all came full circle for you. Yeah, man, and 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 it, again, I think it was when I read that devotional, that passage of scripture, and when I opened up the Bible, it was this oh so familiarity mm. of being inside the word and I looked up that passage of scripture and I began to read and from that day forward I could not put my Bible down and I'm start reading the stories and all those stories Medea was saying there's a woman at the well there's a blind man named Bartimaeus and I'm laying back on my on my bunk and I'm just chewing on and all those things that Medea was talking about came to life. And the minute that I did that, the minute that I did that, something on the inside of me changed. I'm not as angry as I was before. I'm starting to have conversations with corrections officers. It's something about it was just different. There was this peace that dropped on me that I can't even comprehend. Now I know that I'm still going to prison. I know that I'm still going to this maximum security United States federal penitentiary, but there's this peace about me that is just, just, I can't even explain. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people like actress and director Cheryl Hines they were looking for an unknown actress <laughs> right. to play Larry David's wife I said well how old is that guy isn't he old <laughs> and author David Sedaris you know like when you meet somebody and they'll say well I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist and I say well is it all you care about because if it's not it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven, and it's like, wow. You know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're all their energy focused goes, on. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or 
wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's return to John on being in prison and the peace that kept growing in his heart while waiting for sentencing. And then one night, there was a there was a young man that was leaving, and he was on the U.S. Marshals were coming to get him, and he was on his way to federal prison, right? And uh, it's like three o'clock in the morning. They come and get him, and then I hear uh, him talking to one of the corrections officers. Hey, I got my transistor radio. Can can I give it to Ponder? Because they won't let me take it on the plane, Conair. They won't take that you take it on the plane. Can I give this radio to Ponder? And I didn't even hear his reply. I heard the door close. I was like, oh, well, and and I turned over and went back to sleep. A couple of hours later, before that officer shift changed, he came over, opened up the food flap, and literally dropped this transitional radio on the floor. And it went into a couple of pieces. I was going to say, didn't it break? Oh, yeah, it just went into a couple of pieces. And then, you know, I, I get up for breakfast, and I, I, I grab it, and, and I turn this thing on, and I couldn't find a radio station on here. And the only radio station I found was this radio station 90.5, which is a Christian radio station. What city is this? This is here in Las Vegas. This is in Vegas? This is here in Las Vegas. I'm in the detention center here. Okay, so it's 90... 90.5 SOS Radio. They're my dear friends to this day. No kidding. I promise you, because I came and, and that's the, the story. only thing that came over that, that old radio. That was the only thing that came in that old radio, and it had one earbud. I don't even know what happened to the other earbud, <laughs> but I'm listening to it and so forth and so on. And then, as I'm listening to it one night across the radio, there's the pastor came on and he started preaching the story about the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and I sat up on the side of the bed. And it was Prague's son, and you know how the story is, and come home and just run back to you. And at the end of it, that, that pastor made, a, uh, made an altar call and said, if this touches your heart and, you know, you want to surrender your life to the Lord, Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. I stood up in that detention center, raised my hands up, and I asked God to forgive me for all the stuff that I did over the past 30-some-odd years. Did he? And uh, 100% he did. How sure are you? Oh, I am 100% sure. <laughs> That he did. I wish everybody listening could see your face when yeah. you said 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am absolutely positively sure. But then I asked him to be the Lord of my life. And I surrendered my life to God in that moment. And when I got up off the floor, I went in a 180-degree turn in another direction. You're still looking at 23 years, John. Oh, absolutely I am. I mean, that's great. Oh, oh absolutely. And it's, it's, it's redemptive. Right. 
You're still looking at 23 well, years. Well, let me let me let me tell you what happened, right? So I'm 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 walking into the courtroom, right? Before I go in the courtroom and I'm about to get this this time, I, I played let's make a deal with God in that holding cell. <laughs> right? Are you Monty Hall? Or I is he? am I am Monty <laughs> Hall right now, right? <laughs> Playing let's make a deal. And and what I said to God was listen, I'm going up in this courtroom and uh, I'm asking you to go before me in this courtroom. And I'm asking you to to climb in the robe of the, of that judge, James C. Mann who's my best friend to this day. The judge? The federal judge that sent me to prison. Is now your best friend. Is my best friend. Okay. So I asked him to climb up into the robe of that judge, move him out of the way. And I said, God, whatever time I got coming to me, let it come from you. You be my judge. But then I said to him to search the meditation of my heart. When I surrendered, right, it was 100 percent, you know, to you. Search the meditation of my heart. And I said, examine what it is about to say to you. I said to him that whatever time I get right now, if it comes from you, whether it's 50 years or whether it's whatever it is, right, I am committing to you that I am going to spend the rest of this life into eternity serving you. And I stepped up in that courtroom and unmistakably God showed up. And I, I didn't get what it was that I deserved. Evidence that my father showed up because my father said his son that I might not get what I deserve. Moved that judge out of the way and instead of him giving me what I deserve, he, he gave me six, six and a half years. I still got to go to federal prison. I still got to go to maximum security United States federal penitentiary. But I remember I went back to the holding cell, right? And the U.S. Marshals escorted me back down there. And they said, man, I don't, they was talking to me. I don't know what happened in there. And I said, I do. My God showed up. And as I'm laying there on the floor and I'm thanking him, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And God says, you know, listen, my son, I honored what you asked me to do. Yeah, there's a problem. You said, let's make a deal. Now you got work to do. He says, don't ever forget the promise that you made to me, that you are going to spend the rest of this life serving you. And listen, I got up off that floor and my life went in a 180 degree turn in the other direction and I never looked back. And just wait until you hear what John Ponder has done once he never looked back. That concludes part one of our conversation with John, and I hope you'll listen to part two that's now available. And trust me, it just keeps getting better. But if you don't, make sure you join the Army of Normal Folks at normalfolks.us and sign up to become a member of the movement. Guys, it only takes committing to doing one new thing this year to help others, and there will be a ton of awesome ideas on this podcast from the folks we're featuring. Some of them may resonate with you deeply and others may not at all, and that's okay because we're all called to do different things. By signing up, you'll also receive a weekly email with short episode summaries in case you happen to miss an episode or if you prefer reading about our incredible guest. Together, with each of us doing what we can, we literally can change the country. And that change, my friends, starts with you. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. 
product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.